Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Brandon Siegel about creating positive change in the TBI community. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraine. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors, by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, an author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine. So grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Brandon Siegel, and Brandon is the president of Wellness Works Management Partners. He is a published author and brings over 15 years of executive leadership experience. Throughout his storied career, he has empowered entrepreneurs throughout the U.S. to streamline operations, build winning teams, implement effective business models, and ultimately transform new ventures for optimum success. He has been supporting private practice owners with an emphasis in the occupational, physical, and speech therapy industry since 2008. In addition to consulting all over the world, he is a frequent guest lecturer and keynote speaker throughout the world. His most recent book, The Private Practice Survival Guide, taps into his passion and drive to support healthcare providers and clinicians in unlocking their freedom from their own success and ultimately empowering the American dream. Through supporting private practice owners and optimized clinical outcomes, streamlining workflow solutions, and implementing leading innovation strategies, he has transformed private practices throughout the world. So welcome to the podcast, Brandon. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Amy. Such a pleasure, and I, I love what you're doing. I think it's incredible, and the world needs more Amy's because we need that voice um, for the world to, to hear what's going on, you know? Oh, thank you for that. And as I was reading my intro, I realized that today is my six-year anniversary. So that didn't even occur to me till I was reading my bio. So happy anniversary wow. to me. I know. <laughs> Happy brain anniversary. <laughs> Six years ago today. Wow. You know, on the one hand, it seems like 20 years ago. And on the other hand, it seems like it just happened, you know, yesterday. So 
come a long way. Absolutely. So, so Brandon, I would love to start by asking you how you have come to work in the brain injury world. What's kind of brought you there? Absolutely. So it's kind of ironic because um, I didn't know I was getting into the brain injury world when I first got into working with specific private practices, but probably the first taste um, of working with this public and demographic um, is, so my mother-in-law, my wife, and my brother-in-law are all occupational therapists. And my mother-in-law is an incredible um, occupational therapist with over 40 years of experience, and one of her specialties was neuro. And so um, I helped manage and run and consult for one of her clinics in which we offered occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy, with all different, ranging from birth all the way up to geriatric. But we did have a specialty unit um, that really worked with traumatic brain injuries and also neuro rehab. And ironically, I remember the first time um, that I really understood what traumatic brain injury was and that, you know, it's its own area. And we were working with a 16-year-old that had uh, gotten injured in a motorcycle accident. And there was so much to that rehab process beyond just what people see as rehab. And so I became fascinated with all of the layers and levels of how we optimize um, really function And one of the things was I remember seeing my mother-in-law work with this gentleman in just how to interview for a job and and really bringing function to the next level. Because a lot of the times what I've found is that, you know, we focus on, you know, uh, our speech and we focus on our physical well-being. But sometimes and sometimes we also focus on the social emotional, but putting all those pieces together gets missed. So that's how I kind of came first, uh, you know, over 12 years ago. Um, got really involved, and then since then, I've been working throughout the country with different private practice owners that are specifically catering to supporting um, people who have suffered from TBI. And again, a lot of the time, we only think of adults. We don't realize that there's little babies and children, and, and so I think that's one of the things that's fascinating is people forget that there's a whole demographic beyond just that adult that gets in, uh, you know, a, a traumatic injury, but there's a lot of children that are suffering from this as well. Yeah. You know, I always say brain injury doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care what age you are, what race you are, how much money you make. You know, it doesn't it doesn't care. It happens in the blink of an eye. Um, And, you know, your trajectory can be forever changed. So such a great point to bring up that. I mean, you know, little kids, the thing that's challenging for me is to hear some of my friends talk about their children oh you know he fell off his bike and hit his head but the doctor said he's fine and I'm like well you know symptoms can take days and weeks to develop so keep an eye on him oh no doctor said he's fine (laughs) it's like oh man we're doing such a disservice and even not even understanding that you know children due to an injury in utero could be having strokes Mm -hmm. and neurological impairments so sometimes we think of it just, you know, once the child is out. But, um, you know, my wife is a specialist in the infant world. And, I, you know, it changed my whole reality when having kids of just how much can impact a child. You know, we yeah. don't think of it today, you know. Yeah. You know, the and the birth itself um, 
can cause traumatic brain injury, you know, an umbilical cord wrapped or the use of forceps, you know, there's just, there's so many things. And, you know, when someone's born with it like that, it sometimes can be more challenging to, to really uncover what's wrong as they get older. Um, and so I think just growing more awareness on, you know, what, the symptoms are and how how it can affect different people differently you know I know when I had my brain injury um people would say things to me like oh well you don't sound like you have a brain injury and I was like well my speech wasn't impacted by my brain injury you know and it really made me realize when people hear the term traumatic brain injury they often think of someone who's in a wheelchair who you know is maybe nonverbal, can't walk um, and that's not at all the reality I mean people really need to understand a concussion is a TBI and I think we need to start calling it what it is because I mean, how ridiculous would it sound to say, oh, he just has a TBI. He just has a brain injury. It's no big deal. You know, we wouldn't say that like we do with a concussion. So, Absolutely. People write it off like it's a cold. I mean, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, well, he had a concussion two weeks ago. I mean, we see it obviously even in um, – I have young ones in sports and soccer and football and basketball. And, you know, these kids are – their brains are still developing and um, – you know, concussion happens, and it's as if, yeah, they just have to sleep it off. We'll go see the doctor. They don't even recognize. But if you brought to them, yeah. you know, that's a traumatic brain injury. Parents would get very defensive because no one mm-hmm. wants to, you know, no. to see that. That brings it to a whole other level, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely fascinating how, and I, I would say it's probably one of the most underdiagnosed areas right now in the rehabilitation world. When oh, I go absolutely. into clinics and I talk about, what's going on, et cetera. And it's funny because it brings me back to a story of, I remember I had uh, a friend and she went ice skating with her daughter and she fell on the ice and she was in the hospital and everything, but she didn't, she did not categorize it as a traumatic brain injury. And it wasn't until my wife actually pointed out, she's like, there are definitely changes. Who she is has changed in the fact that she's kind of ignoring it. Um, you see really a major change 10, 15 years later because she didn't acknowledge or identify the care that she needed um, directly after. Yeah, and I had a woman in a networking group share with me that her son was a senior. He was the varsity. um, He was the team captain, the quarterback, and he had taken a pretty bad hit. And she noticed extreme changes in him, like, he was sleeping more than normal. <clears throat> he His train of thought would often like just, he'd be mid-sentence and just stop talking because <laughs> he forgot what he was even talking about um, and his mood and he'd have headaches. But the coach, they cleared him. They wanted to put him back in because um, they were coming up on some playoff games. And she was like, no, he's not playing while he's like this and and I believe it was a private school so they don't necessarily have to adhere to the same return to play as public schools um don't quote me on that but I think that was the case and the the coach got really pissed and the son kind of got pissed but he at the same time realized he wasn't okay um but you know the concussed person isn't the one that should be making the decision because 
their decision making has been impaired. Um, so I was but so proud of her. But neither should the coach. Well, that, uh, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the team of professionals has to be, um, and and there has to build a, a greater awareness. I think, both sports wise, but also from a, a, a viewership. I mean, yesterday, obviously Super Bowl, um, yep. there was a hit on Patrick Mahomes that I thought he should have gotten checked out, and he just he went back into the game. I mean, he he took a yep. hit straight to the neck and the head, and just bounced up and he knew he had to bounce up because if he stayed down too long he didn't want to go through that 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 protocol he didn't want to go to the tent (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) yeah you know so i told her i was so proud of her for sticking to her guns and i believe the doctor had even cleared him to return um which is you know a whole other conversation um Mm -hmm. but you know as a parent you know your child best and you know in his case case his symptoms were pretty um uh, immediate, where some people those symptoms might not show up. You know, we look at a lot of football players who keep taking those little hits, right? Or soccer, or volleyball, or basketball. I mean, any sport. They they take these little hits all the time, and they don't have an immediate impact. But then, you know, six months, a year down the road, suddenly their grades are slipping. They're struggling. Um, they're having more more learning challenges in school, and nobody ever connects that back to those hits in sports because it was never enough to take someone out of a game. Right. So I think just continuing this conversation. Yeah. 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 There was recently a study on football players who are deceased. And I think it was like, I don't know the exact amount, but I think it was like 95% had, um, they were showing the CT. I mean, I couldn't believe Mm -hmm. that. Like, and yet we continue to, you know, watch the game and play the game, et cetera. And so I think one of the things that a lot of, uh, you know, practitioners, whether it be functional neurologists, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, are, you know, I think they're trying to do more exercise screenings um, in between games. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, teams, whether it be Little League or uh, above, have to be looking at some of the minor functions of how they're tracking um, progress and growth, both on a neurological side and a physical functional side, because, it's still being missed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we're getting much closer to diagnostic tools. Um, you know, like we have the impact test and there's the SCAT, but, you know, they're not, well, the impact test, kids purposely try to fake them, um, you know, if they, in case they do get injured. Um, but, you know, the SCAT is, Again, you know, the symptoms might not show up right away, but I know there's a lot of research being done with eye tracking and biomarkers um, and trying to identify more immediately um, if the person has definitely had a a TBI. So I think that's going to change the whole field, so to speak. So, yeah. yeah. So you do a lot of work with occupational, physical, and speech therapists. And in my opinion, those are the ones that people need to get to. And, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know the right word, but, um, you know, like for me, my first line of defense, you know, I went to my chiropractor because I had a lot of whiplash and other stuff going on. Um, And, you know, at at about six weeks, he did send me to the neurologist um, who basically told me I was fine. 
Um, and I clearly was not. But, you know, a lot of people, their first line of defense is they're going to go to their general doctor. And it's, it's so misunderstood in the medical field. And while some doctors might acknowledge, yeah, I do think you've had a TBI, they don't know what to do with you. Therefore, nothing gets done with you. Um, and as we, you know, as we know, CTs, MRIs, they're not going to show anything unless there's a bleed or a significant damage. Um, so, you know, how do we get people to the right provider sooner? How do we shift this paradigm in the medical community? Um, because, you know, these doctors, they're set in their ways. They're never going to change. Well, some of them will, but a lot of them won't. You know, they, they didn't learn any of this in school. They're still not teaching it in med school. Um, or at least like PT school, at least they're getting some, some of the training. Um, so how do we kind of circumvent the system and get people to OTPT speech? You know, and, and I do want to also take a moment to talk about speech therapy and what that actually is, because I think it's misunderstood. Um, but how do we get people to the right provider sooner? How do we shift so a couple, that? couple things. I think the first thing that we, and obviously where we're at right now, society-wise, um, political, everything, I think we have to change the scope of how people look at healthcare. I, I'm just in all transparency, I think that we've we've kind of gotten into this groove where we think if we just go and we enter the healthcare system, that the healthcare system will solve all our problems and is the answer. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, right. it's built on the basis of a business model that's get them in and get them out. And so, you know, depending on the practitioner, you can go to a neurologist, they're going to do the CTs and they're going to do the MRIs, and they're going to do what they can do from a scanning standpoint. And then a lot of the times they have medication or different things or like, let's see if this helps with your, you know, some of your neurological stuff. We found this medication to be helpful. But the actual side of functional medicine often gets missed. And so there's a yeah. whole area beyond even just OT and PT and speech, but there's a functional medicine area out there that I think is really being effective at looking how people function. And I think these other disciplines align with it. But I think we have to change the viewpoint um, by educating society. I think through movies, I think through books, I think through TV, through because that's how people are learning and, and, and growing right now. I hate to say it, but um, you know, it's not Google News or anything, but it is sometimes – a commercial. It is sometimes a movie. And so how are we bridging the uh, the gaps where we're educating people on the way that healthcare, what that means today? It's not just going to the healthcare system. As you know, I live in Madison, Wisconsin. We've got University of Wisconsin Health System. But I go there, and they might solve the problem for six out of ten people, but there are four people that will fall through the cracks yes. needing yeah. more than what that healthcare system can offer. So I think education is a big piece. I think the second thing is we need to continue to see what specialties have. And I think what happens is people tend to look at a profession like occupational therapy and they say, well, what does that have to do with, you know, uh, TBI? And they just think it's about getting dressed. Oh, they help me get dressed. Oh, they help my child on the spectrum. They, oh, you know, everyone pigeonholes these professions. And so we need to build specialties and awareness because 
I can put 100 occupational therapists in the room, and truly they all could have different specialties because the umbrella of what they practice is all about function. They are functional. You know, they're helping people find function in life, how they function throughout, whether it is getting dressed, whether it is finding purpose in career development, whether, you know, there's so many different areas. And then physical therapy yeah. all about movement. And, and what we're finding is that you go to one physical therapy clinic and they're going to give you a specific experience and then you go to another and it's totally different. And so I think that research and education and certifications and specialties will help people see different aspects and understanding that healthcare is not in a box. It really is an outside of the box component where you have to see different layers so that you can get the support you need. Um, it, you know, when I was a child, I, um, I think I was in ninth grade, I was in history class and I fell out of my chair with a seizure, out of the blue, literally just seizured out of my chair in school. Went to the neurologist. They had no answer other than to put me on medication. No one looked to say, hey, could he have gotten in an accident, you know, playing baseball, riding his bike? What are the things that could have contributed? It was accepted as just, you know, these things happen. It's a fluke. Yeah. So I, I think we have to really look at what healthcare means in the 21st century and how we continue to build a collaborative network because different people will help you in different ways. Mhm. Yes, and you know, I think the whole medication that you touched on, um, you know, for me, the neurologist eventually sent me to the neuropsychologist and I had the neuropsych exam and all that fun stuff. And she basically told me that maybe I didn't try hard enough, perhaps it was psychosomatic, and she wanted to put me on antidepressants and Ritalin. She's like, and I looked at her and I said, how will that fix my brain injury? (laughs) Like, it was like, I'm confused, right? And she's like, oh, you're just depressed. And I was like, no, depression is a symptom. It's not the root cause here. And she was pretty pissed at me that I wouldn't take the pills. But, you know, we've been taught to blindly trust our doctors and to blindly take the medicine they give us without questioning it. And, you know, like with you, with the seizures, and don't get me wrong, seizure medication is definitely important for some people. Um, But, like, yeah, you know, not even questioning where these seizures are coming from and what might be causing them. Um, It just kind of blows my mind. functional assessment, none. No functional assessment. And so then you you live in fear because you have no root cause of what occurred. So then you create a dependency on the medication in which you want to get off the medication and you're afraid, well, you know, especially – Parent-wise, my parents yeah. were nervous, you know, oh, my gosh, you lose your license, you're this, you're that. And so I, I always get to the root of, like, how, you know, when we look at 200 years ago, we didn't have all this medication. Nope. What are the ways? And, and there is a time when medication is needed, but we don't want to become a, a medicated-dependent country. We want to look at what are the functional ways that we can you know, what is our body trying to tell us and how do we wean from whatever medication is needed to get independent? Because the last thing we want is to build dependent bodies, you know, yeah. or dependent minds. 
how cloudy your brain is, you know, like when you wake up in the morning and where you need to go and how you, because one of the, one of the things I saw from my mother-in-law working with this 16-year-old was she didn't want him to give up on his life. At 16 years old, it was as if it's like your life is over, you're never going to be able to go to college, you're never, I mean, this was a severe motorcycle accident. And what she did was she identified what mattered to him and she supported him functionally in finding ways to achieve that. And I mm-hmm. think often that gets missed right now in the healthcare system. Yes. And so often young people are told, oh, they'll probably never finish high school. Oh, they probably won't ever be able to go to college. Oh, they'll probably never be able to hold down a job. And when you're told that at such a young, and again, we're taught to trust our doctors, you know, that becomes our mindset. And the reality is that might not be true at all. You know, your your life might look different, but it doesn't mean you can't do any of those things. Um, so, you know, you keep using the word functional. And I think that that is such an important, so, you know, going back 200 years ago, like you said, they didn't use medication. They didn't have medication, um, but they had a functional bedside exam. That's how Mm -hmm. they determined things back then is they assessed you. They spent more than 12 minutes with you. Um, And, you know, for me, that's why I'm so passionate about functional neurology because, you know, I had a two-hour exam. You know, they showed me, here's what your body is doing and things I hadn't even noticed. Like, I didn't notice I was compensating with my right side for my left side. I didn't even know I was doing that. And, you know, nobody else would have ever caught those things. Um, yeah. I also think it's important that people understand that there's a way to get in tune with your body. You know, I think both, like, when you look at, functionally you should be able to see those reactions like why am i getting this headache what is this telling me more than just hey i have pain like there could be a disc that's out of place there could be there's so many things and i think a lot of the times we just look at the pain but we never look at the root of the cause so one of my goals is i really try to empower these practitioners out there whether it be a functional neurologist a you know nutritionist an occupational physical speech therapist you name it a chiropractor I want them to literally find their stage so that they can build a private practice that matters because I think purpose and practitioner go hand in hand. And a lot mm-hmm. of the time we're seeing people burn out because they feel like they're just a cog in a wheel, a hamster in a wheel, whatever you want to call it. And they feel like, well, this is what my boss tells me to do. And so I believe that, you know, just as the American dream occurred way back when and everyone talks about it, I think healthcare has an opportunity both from a systematic level and functional level where we need more practitioners to speak out and to bring an independent viewpoint so that we can have perspectives and lenses to solving the problem. So I want to go back to my earlier question that I don't think we really answered the question. You gave a great answer, but I don't think you answered the actual question. How do we, as a patient, how do we get to the occupational, the PT, the speech? How do we get to that if our doctor hasn't recommended it? So first and foremost, I would say at least 50% of the referrals that I see um, from practitioners is not from a physician. So I think we have to think outside of the, the, the yeah, I think we have to think beyond <laughs> the physician 
as the gatekeeper. I think yeah. the physician is a vehicle of change, and some have more tools in their shed than others, but I think we have to look beyond it. So the first thing I, I think is we need to get in front of support groups. We need to get in front of ah, the yes. community. Yeah. We need to get involved in the associations, and I think we have to look bigger than just this is my physician and he tells me where to go. We have to take the ownership of it's our role and our family's role, caregivers, whatnot, to help us find solutions and not just take the easy way. And so mm -hmm. I think that's where we have to look. We have to look beyond. I think their Facebook, love them, hate them, whatever you want, I think that it has built networks and communities that I've never seen anything like it. And so you can find traumatic brain injury Facebook groups, and you, obviously you've got your tribe, which is amazing. There are, I mean, the Facebook Live, my, my wife is an avid learner, and so it's amazing what podcasts and Facebook Live has done for finding these specialty occupational physical speech therapists that specialize in that and the traumatic brain injury journey and what you should look at and how you, I mean, there's so much knowledge out there, and so I think we have to literally segment out what are the role of our physician or practitioner is and what the responsibility is for us to learn and grow by finding our community both digitally and in person. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's how I would do. Obviously, you can look up neurophysical therapy and chiro and this and that, but I don't think it's about necessarily finding I'm looking for a PT. It's finding community in which there's different resources and those resources might be the right fit for you and Joe down the street might need different resources. I think we sometimes think there's one way to quote unquote skin a cat and I don't think that's the case. I think each person's symptoms and needs are different and how they respond and the structure that they need to thrive is different. And so we cannot put ourselves in a box when we look for the right healthcare solutions either. Ugh, you just that was that was wonderful. <laughs> I hope, you know, everyone listening go back and re listen to that again. Um yeah, you you summed it up so well. And I think I wanna add to that too that we have to get out of the mindset of insurance covering everything. And a lot of stuff that actually helps us is not covered by insurance. Like, for instance, functional neurology and vision therapy, a lot of that stuff not covered by insurance. And so we have to get out of that mindset as well. Um, you know, you might have to pay out of pocket for some things. Um, and so something I'll chime in, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I, I no, want good, everyone and all my trainers. <laughs> no worries. I think that insurance has a role, but I think we sometimes don't look at insurance as a financial investment strategy. We look at it as, well, that just solves the problem. And I think we have to shift it, and we have to look at it of, just like when you buy car insurance, you look at different packages, what's the right investment, what, you know, et cetera. A lot of the times we don't recognize that insurance is just one vehicle of the solution, but it's not going to solve everything. And there's a lot of ways that we can financially invest in ourselves to grow. And so I find one of the biggest mistakes is people overbuy their premium in health insurance. They sometimes mm -hmm. think that the more that they spend per month, the greater the care they're going to get, the more options, the more things covered. And that's unfortunately not the case. I think the other thing is there's HSAs and FSAs and all these yes. incredible things 
that when we put money into that pot, pre-tax or whatnot, we're right away budgeting mm-hmm. to allow ourselves to provide those therapies. I have 80, give or take 85 employees. I have different health insurance that I offer my employees. I offer between 60% coverage to 90% of their premium. But the 90% premium is a high deductible plan in which I want my employees to take whatever money they're not spending on the premium, invest it in FSA or savings for their future health so that they can pick and choose where that money goes. Because a lot of the times we're just buying down deductibles. Mm-hmm. And then they and, don't and, they don't get used. And I'm going to add to that. And th- so my best friend, he back was it October when it's open enrollment. He was asking my advice on different areas of things that are offered by his employer, and short term and long term disability. That is where you see the benefit if you are ever hurt. Um, and it doesn't yep. have to be at work, right? So if you slip on the ice and land on your head and have to take two years off, that's where you benefit from that insurance. Where like like because he was going to up his life insurance. I'm like, well, that's great. That helps your brother, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you're dead. Yeah. But it doesn't help you. Chances are, you know, you'll be injured in a car accident or a fall, you know, and and need that short and long term disability. So I just, do you have anything more to add to that? Yeah, so the last thing I'll add, and I have had a lot of the private practices that I work with sign up for this because I think it's an amazing service for the patients, is something called care credit. And care credit, basically, it's like a credit card, but you basically can have 0% and upwards to 24 months with no interest. So all of a sudden, you can get something and divide it up, not change your lifestyle, and I think it is allowing... Two, two benefits so that everyone knows. One benefit is I think that you get a greater product many times when you are going through private pay, and that's why there are healthcare physicians that will negotiate with you like 75% reduction costs if you don't go through insurance. Like there's so much that you can do negotiation-wise on cost when you don't go through insurance because insurance has its red tape for physicians yes. and practitioners. But mm-hmm. the other thing with care credit is it really allows um, practitioners to get paid at the time of visit because you take out, let's say it's a $5,000 cost that you're getting and it's going to be broken up over the next 24 months. They're going to get that money from the start so that that helps them with cash flow for paying employees and all the other pieces that it takes to run a business. So I do think it benefits both the physician side or the practitioner side, the physical therapist, the speech therapist, but the other thing is it benefits clients in accessing greater care in reasonable terms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I have heard of people negotiating, um, like for an MRI, for instance, um, like through their insurance, they were going to have like a $2,000 like copay. Um, and they were able to negotiate if they paid cash out of pocket, it was only like 1000 or 900 So um, that's a really great point as well. Um, so Brandon, we're just about out of time and I just want to ask if you have any final thoughts or parting words of wisdom for our listeners today. So I I think my parting words are look, don't listen, find a community, interview those that you're working with, whether it be 
people that have suffered from traumatic brain injuries, um, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, um, uh, functional neurologists, etc., interview them. Interview, see if they have a client that you can meet with. Yeah. Find out their program. Find out that, you know, I think we need to live in a more transparent world. And so my parting wish is that everyone, if you want to do right by others, the more transparent you are, the easier it is to create authentic relationships. I ask that of all the practitioners I work with. I ask that of clients because I think there's too much misunderstandings out there. And if we lived in a more transparent world, we would be able to really thrive um, in authentic relationships. Yeah. Oh, such great information today, Brandon. I'm so happy to have had you here today. Thank you for taking the time to share with my listeners um, really great information. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been such a pleasure, and I, I think it's truly a gift what you're doing for the community. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Brandon Siegel. And just a reminder, if you've missed any podcasts, you can find them all at facesoftbi.com. And you can also subscribe through your favorite streaming platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, that way you never miss an episode. Another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. And again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. I will see you all again next time. Have a great day, everyone.